You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Oh, this is so special. First of all, we have a gentleman on the show today. I know it's rare, but it was time. And it had to be someone incredibly wonderful and someone who I just admire and adore and think the world of. And of course, Adam Folker had to be the one. I am so thrilled to introduce you to this guy. So I have known Adam since I was 21 working for Fox Sports in LA, covering college basketball. And he was so nice to me. He played for Irvine and I would interview him after games and literally never talked about anything other than probably the questions I was asking him for television. But God, I just appreciated him so much because it was so difficult talking to some of these guys sometimes for a myriad of reasons. And Adam always just held himself so beautifully and was so kind and so grounded and he spoke slowly and I just felt good around him. And so we've kind of kept in touch over the years thanks to Instagram and he stopped playing basketball and was traveling the world and got into personal development and is dedicating his life to helping people. And he has a podcast now, which I'm so excited for him. It's called The Adam Folker Show. Perfect. Not that I have any bias having The Kelly Show or anything. (laughs) But Adam really loves getting into the messy stuff. And when it's confusing, when you're going through, you know, the process of breaking free from conditioning and old belief systems and patterns, that's where he really shines is, is guiding people through this process. I'm so happy to have Adam on the show. We cover so much ground in his becoming and the breakdown to the breakthrough and what this has looked like. And God, I learned a lot in this episode and I, I just took so much of it to heart and really resonated with his story and his experience. And I just honor the way he has been so willing to go there and to dive deep and to not avoid, but welcome in all of these lessons, regardless of how painful it is. So here's Adam. Okay. So you just said something that I really love. You were talking about doing nothing and how difficult that is. And I know this well, especially being a fellow athlete. Nothingness doesn't really exist in our world for the most part. So what has that nothing feeling been for you? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a challenge for sure. I, uh, in the past year, have really, for the first time in my life, stepped back and slowed down and created a lot of space in my life. And it was really challenging because in that space, stuff would come up. And what I realized is as in my past, I was always doing stuff. Like I went from playing basketball. As soon as I retired from basketball, started my business. And I was always, always doing stuff to distract myself from just being. And in that being and doing nothing, stuff would come up first, like guilt. 
of like, well, am I allowed to do nothing? Mm. Am I allowed to just be and just chill? And so I had to work through that. And then more stuff would come up and more stuff would come up. So it was, it was really difficult and uncomfortable, but it gave me space in my life to sit down and just like be inquisitive and, and figure myself out mm-hmm. and get deeper down into myself. So it so, was a process. Yeah, it is such a process for people. I just want to give them a brief awareness of how we know each other. So I met you, I was, I was posting on Instagram before we started this. I'm like, Oh my God, I've known him since I was 21. This is so weird. I'm 33 now. That feels like a long time ago. That feels like, I don't know for you, but it feels like a whole other life. Um, drastically different than I was back then. But what I remember about you is I was always so excited to talk to you. I was on the sideline doing TV for your games and would interview you. And I was excited to talk to you because you were nice and normal and you weren't, Mm. you weren't uh, like a lot of the gentlemen that I had the pleasure of interacting with. And um, I really respected you and you had this very calm, mature nature about you. And even back then, I remember thinking that there's so many athletes where you look at them or you interact with them and you know that that's all they know because that's all they've done. And there always seemed to be layers of depth to you. You seemed so well-read. You were so well-spoken, very mature, really calm, kind of had this just like grasp around life for that age. I mean, you just don't see that a lot. So how, how is it that that at such a young age played into things of you understanding that there had to be more than this system that you had been living in, in sports for so long? Yeah. I mean, I played basketball from, I mean, my whole life since I could walk, you know, like both my parents played and were really good players. So for me, it was this, what what I (laughs) have realized recently is it was this undercurrent from a very young age of wanting to earn love Mm -hmm. from my parents. And it was this like idea that I developed even though it wasn't the truth, you know, the truth was like, my parents loved me unconditionally. I could have played sports, done nothing like, but I developed this story and that story really ran my life and kind of fed into really, really a deep core belief that I developed, which was, I'm not good enough. And that was kind of my ego story. And I realized how that, that story that I created of I'm not good enough was kind of the lens that I was viewing and experiencing life through in entirety. So in everything, you know, like my relationships, my friendships, my relationship with my parents, my brother, my business, basketball, but basketball became this really, really incredible training ground to show me myself to show me all the ways that I was showing up or not showing up for myself. Along the way in the journey of basketball, you know, I kind of started to begin to perform and compete for a lot of reasons. One of them was to be validated and to earn adoration and love, not just from my parents, but just from people in general. And it became this really 
defeating cycle because no matter how well I played or how good I got at basketball, there was still this like underlying deep core belief of I'm not good enough. Like I could have become the best basketball player in the world and still felt this deep wound of I'm not good enough. And I've only really started to realize that and unpack it in the past year in the space of doing nothing. And, you know, that began to show up in my business. No matter how well my business did, it was still like, I am not good enough. So for me, like my journey through basketball and then starting my business, it was all just, you know, these little microcosm training grounds and opportunities to like realize myself at a deeper level. And all of my experiences through basketball were just like in hindsight content for me to like filter through and sort through with kind of a new, new lens of awareness. And without that content, you know, that I, th- I believe we all have experiences in our life to help us and guide us along our journey to understanding ourselves better. And for me, like I've had to really untangle my relationship with basketball and sports in general, because there, there was like, you know, there's a pretty toxic environment around sports, especially when you get up into higher levels. And I began to look back on my career in basketball and build resentment because of some of the ideas and conditioning that had been like ingrained into me through being in like, you know, hyper competitive environments and looking back again, like untangling that from my own being now, but also understanding that, you know, like basketball was a phenomenal training ground for me and built a lot of the skills that I now have that I can now use with, uh, discernment, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was talking to one of my teachers the other day. We were actually talking about this because I'm still untangling my relationship with basketball. And he just said, yeah, you know, understand that basketball is God too. Mm. You know? So that's kind of where I've left off is, yeah, basketball was God. It was teaching me a lot of things. I had this uh, vision while you were talking about playing and earning love through sports. I, you know, I'm six, one, you're what? Six, nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've been this tall since I was 12. (laughs) So I was like a quote unquote ballerina. I was a wannabe, but I loved dancing. It I was such a girly girl. I loved a tutu and ballet slippers and it was everything to me. And I loved that. And I remember that the the people who owned the dance studio that I was a part of came over one day and they started a volleyball club and they convinced me to play volleyball. And they kept telling me that it was better for me because I was so tall and I had a future in it. And I remember my parents pushing me towards that. And then I got really good very quickly because I was like twice the size of everyone. It was pretty simple at that age. And then I started to get a ton of attention. And so when it came down to it, they said, well, you have to, I was also swimming. So you have to pick between dance, swimming and volleyball. Well, volleyball gave me the most attention and my parents, what it felt like to me were the most proud of me when I was playing volleyball. So I chose volleyball. And last year, I think I was sitting with mushrooms. I had this entire experience around 
I never wanted to play volleyball. I always wanted to dance. And I felt like that was stripped away from me in order to make my parents proud and to make sure that they would love me. And it's amazing the way, like I said, I'm 33 now. It's taken me 20 years to have that realization. And like you said, to unpack it and understand we don't have to keep trying to earn that love. It is so difficult though to release that story and that narrative because our identities, especially as athletes, are completely wrapped up in it. Totally. Yeah, totally wrapped up in it. And it's super hard, you know, when you retire, especially being a really competitive athlete and if you make it your career and then you retire and it's like, wow, like, what am I if I'm not basketball? And you're right. Like those, those stories that, that kind of drive our life from a very, very young age. It's, um, it's like we, there's actually a, a thing. It's a reticular activating system and it's, it filters out all of the evidence that doesn't actually validate who we are and what we already believe. So like my story of I'm not good enough, I was experiencing life through that lens because of the gatekeeper that was only allowing in information that would validate that. So if I had a really good game, even if I had an amazing game and I scored a lot of points and our team won, all I was able to see is all the times I turned the ball over, missed shots and screwed up because all of that information fed my identity and validated and reinforced my identity and everything else was just like, nope, doesn't fit. Throw it out the window. So to, to like untangle all of that is, yeah, it's literally stepping out of your complete identity. And I went through that process, you know, because I took basketball and I stepped out of that. And then I just started my business right away. And I stepped into that and that was my identity. And then it got to the point where I just got to the point where I was super unhappy, experiencing depression, anxiety. And it got to the point where I was just like, this isn't working. You know, it just isn't working. And I remember I was actually living in LA at the time and I was in a relationship and it was like everything in my life was creating pain mm. and the relationship especially was creating a lot of pain. And I remember waking up one day living in Hollywood and I was living on the corner of like a major intersection. In my apartment, it was all windows. And so I just rolled over in bed one morning. And as I was laying there, I just remember just not wanting to get out of bed. And laying there just thinking like, there must be more. Like, I'm so unhappy right now. I'm so unfulfilled. I'm just living with so much pain. There must be more. And I eventually rolled out of bed and got up. And instead of taking my laptop to go work that day, I took my journal and I just sat down at the coffee shop and I just <laughs> started to kind of untangle my life, sit down and look and just be like, what is actually going on here? Like, what am I doing? And that was kind of the crack in the door that just like, just opened it up enough for me to realize that rearranging my external world and all of the things going on outside of me is not going to do it. So I got really good at that <laughs> and it was not working. So it was finally this, this like 
flip in perspective of, oh, I see like it's, it's actually inside of me and I need to sit down and like, look at that. And my journey since then has been interesting to say the least, <laughs> you know, once you really start to look and take responsibility, it's a, it can be a bumpy journey, but it's so rewarding. You know, once you, once you finally start to get to the other side of the tunnel and there's light at the end of the tunnel. We swear to uh, God, there is light. We promise you. <laughs> there's light. Yeah. And you also, what I realized is you just start to build a lot more capacity. Mm, yes. So the, so the things that used to really throw me off in the past, you know, I, I they, they come up from time to time now and it's just like a little bit of a, you know, uneasy feeling, but it doesn't completely derail me. As you like build the capacity and the tools and the threshold to be able to just like move through things and allow them to move through you without clinging on to experiences. And, I feel yeah. like you're having the exact same experience as me in so many ways. It's, it's so interesting how parallel this is. Um, there's so much there I want to talk about. First thing that comes to me is this idea of not being enough is the driving force for so many of us, especially again in sports. Like, well, if I have that, if there is this like deep wound and hole in my body that is driving me to continue to try and fill, but I never allow it to be filled, then I will keep pushing and I will play through all the pain. I don't care how bad it is. I will do it all to make sure that I am the best and I work as hard as possible. So you take that away and you sit in nothingness. What is the driving force? What is the motivation to get out of bed? I think that is one of the biggest questions people have when they get to this point. It's like, well, if I don't have that anymore, this operating system I've known my whole life, what motivates me? So how did you make that shift? Yeah, that's a very good question. For me, you're right. Like my big winning formula that I had developed was, okay, I am not good enough. Therefore, I'm going to prove everyone that I'm good enough. And I'm going to prove them all wrong. And, you know, that was my winning formula for success. So constantly working so hard, so hard, so hard to oppose this deeper narrative that was running of, I am not good enough. Now, once I start to really understand this, then it was undoing that essentially and rewriting a new paradigm to operate from, which is, I am good enough and I don't have to do anything to prove it. And then continuously stepping into that new paradigm in every moment. It's super tough because it's literally stepping outside of your identity into a completely new world. And through that, it, I, I had a lot of resistance because I didn't want to give up this winning formula that I had developed that worked so well of you know, being able to achieve success, but it coming at a massive cost. And when I gave that up, I sat in the nothingness for a while and had to really, really just be. And through the being, like what I really started to realize is that this illusory goals that I was setting for myself based on my old winning formula were never actually going to make me happy. And all of the things that I was doing to be happy were just things to essentially validate me, validate my story. And once I started to peel away all of that stuff, I got to the place where 
my uh, navigation towards happiness completely changed. And, you know, for me, what really makes me happy now and what I really work for is freedom and the ability to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And it became the difference between me constantly having to like push myself so hard of, you know, these like very negative and toxic mindsets of telling myself that I'm not good enough. If I don't go to the gym six hours a day, push, 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 push versus now it's like this really deep pull. You know, it's like I'm being pulled. I'm being drawn towards something instead of having to like push myself so hard where I'm just burning out all the time. It's now just like this enjoyable being pulled and being led towards something. And every day that something is like changing and I'm trying to understand what it is, but it's so much more enjoyable to go through life like that. And I'm just, I'm grateful that I went through the stuff that I went through to get to the place now where I can start to really just soften and enjoy life for where I'm at. It's totally different perspective. It's totally different. And, you know, my community is mostly women. And so I'm usually like speaking directly to women and in the feminine and talking about all this stuff. And I love having you here because I think this is such an important conversation for men and women to understand the idea and concept of being held and allowing yourself to be held and receiving. So you talk about this, like you're being pulled, you're being guided. So many of us grow up believing that we need to force it. We need to make it happen. And it has to look a certain way. And we're attached to the expectations and the outcome. And so the idea of receiving or being held is so foreign to us. What does that mean? And this softening that makes us weak. That's what we believe. And so how, how did that process look as you start to realize, oh, I can do it differently. I, it can be softer. I can allow, I don't have to force. What was that for you? Yeah. I believe that like the farther off path that we become from where our soul actually wants us to go, the more pain that we'll experience. And for me, I mean, I think I kind of alluded to it, but I got to the place where I was experiencing so much pain that I just didn't want to do that anymore. And through the process of essentially, you know, sitting and doing nothing, allowing things to come up, it gave me the opportunity to unwind some of the like hyper masculine yang energy and mindset that I had developed through sports and just soften to like where my natural state of being is. And what I've really come to understand is like by allowing myself to get back into balance with where my soul wants to be the softness and the approach of softness a lot of times is a lot more powerful and contradictory to what i thought before you know it's like it's like a basketball coach yelling at you and screaming at you versus one that sits down at your level and has a conversation with you you can actually understand and absorb the information so for me, just allowing myself to soften gave me this newfound ability in the world to be able to relate to other people, to connect to my employees, to connect to my friends. And again, it was like coming back into harmony with myself, 
which is so like, I, I thought that like, oh, if I, if I allow myself to just soften, I'm going to lose my edge. And I'm going to lose my ability to do X, Y, Z. But in fact, it is the opposite. You know, by allowing myself to just soften and come in back into balance with who I actually am, it was like a much deeper understanding of myself and a newfound ability to A, understand others and interact with others. So there is, I think, a, a widespread idea that when you get into personal development, spirituality, you are in a constant search for yourself and for truth and for meaning and let's find it and let's go get it. And I was very much in that place. And I, my therapist teaches from A Course in Miracles. And there's an excerpt in there that it talks about false self-concepts. And the whole thing is basically about when your identity completely falls apart and everything you believe to be true, you begin to question and everything is on the floor and you're starting from scratch. That is when you will be revealed to yourself. Not when you will find yourself, not when you, when you will go search yourself out, you will be revealed. And I felt that so deeply. And I remember in my experience, almost meeting my true self for the first time and being so aware that that is, that was my essence. That was like my true soul being shown. And at the same time, wanting to fight her, like, who are you? This is uncomfortable. This is not how we've been operating. What's going on? So I'm curious if you had a similar experience where it's almost like there's two versions of you. There's you that you've known for so long. And then there's you being revealed to you and what that relationship looked like. Yeah, it's, it's really scary in the beginning, you know, to be completely honest with you, because I went through a difficult ending to a relationship and the pain that was presented to me through that ending of the relationship became like this access point to be able to get down past the layers of conditioning that I had developed and to be, get, be able to get down deeper inside of myself. And as I began to do that, I, I was clinging on to this old version of me, which was creating so much more pain. And eventually I got to the place where I couldn't do it anymore. And I was almost forced to just give that up. And, you know, I, I remember just spending, I spent like six months just on the ground, just in so much pain and trying to crawl onto my meditation bench to be able to just sit upright and get into my practice. And through the pain that was presented to me, you know, I was able to sit with it in my practice and start to allow it to come through and pass through and come through and pass through. And eventually as this stuff did, it was like, I was walking through like a, like a fire. And as I was walking through the fire, it was just burning away all this stuff that isn't me, which is kind of where like all the pain came from. But as soon as I kind of stepped through that fire and turned around. I was like, well, I'm not going back through that fire into the old version of me. And I kind of emerged as this like different person that was able to operate in the, in the world from such a different place that felt so much more enjoyable that going back into this old version of me, although 
like my nervous system and my body and my mind was still like trying to pull me back because it was familiar. Those old ways of being were so familiar for me. It was like, ah, I see the light here. Like I see the light at the end of the tunnel and like, there's no, there's no going back. And you know, I'm, it's like a process that I think everyone goes through and, and continues to go through really for the rest of your life, but you just build capacity and it gets easier and easier and easier. Well, and I like that you say capacity because that's something I've really been playing with recently is like when you go into the depths of that pain and that struggle and you allow yourself to be there and be with it, it only allows your capacity for the joy and the pleasure to grow as well. And I think that one of the biggest fears is, well, if I go into being on the floor for six months and really sitting with that, I'm not going to come out. And that's just going to be my reality. And what I always offer is that you're actually just expanding yourself for what you're able to see and feel. You're allowing yourself to feel the things that you never let yourself feel out of fear. So if you can acknowledge that and be with it, what else does it allow you to feel in the rest of your life? Those, I always talk about this box with a bow on top that we are all so comfortable in. It's like, well, all these feelings and things that we have yet to access are outside of this perfect little box that we want to stay in. And all it takes is a couple steps to see what is out there and what is available to us. And once you get a taste of that, like you said, your capacity begins to grow and you're expanded into new versions of yourself and you start to see the world through different lenses. And that's when I think the shift begins to happen. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like, it's like you're in this old dingy apartment that's <laughs> super familiar and comfortable and you know where everything is, but it's dark, it's dingy, it's dirty, it's small. And then you're exposed to this beautiful new apartment with beautiful natural light, all new appliances, stainless steel appliances, granite countertops, and it's perfectly clean. And you step foot into it and it's like amazing, but so unfamiliar. And you're uncomfortable because it's so unfamiliar, but the longer that you can spend in that apartment, you start to understand where everything is and you start to get more comfortable in it. And then that becomes your new home. And then you look back at the old dingy apartment and it's almost like, oh my God, like, you know, that's where I was living and that's where I was operating from. And it's just like, it's just a whole new world, this whole new apartment, this whole new world that you can really start to uh, explode from as a foundation for life. All right. I just want to take a brief pause from this epic conversation with Adam Volker to talk to you about the ways I am nourishing myself. So last month was Alcohol Awareness Month and I did so much incredible work with my favorite non-alcoholic company, Groovy. They're a small family-owned company out of Colorado and I love their products. I love their dry secco the most and their pale ale beer, but I really love who they are more than anything and the conversations that they're willing to have. Because here's the thing is so many people struggle with alcohol abuse and codependence and have unhealthy relationships with it. And we use it to numb out, to opt out of our lives. And it can be really sad, sad and it can be really detrimental. 
and life-altering. And so partnering with a company like Groovy that is dedicated to having these conversations to help people take the power back in their lives and not feel the need to numb out and have the hard conversations and be willing to admit when we're struggling, that is what matters the most to me. So I highly recommend if you are curious about redefining your relationship with alcohol and trying out life without the need to numb, Groovy is an amazing partner in that experience. And I'm here to support you along the way. You can go to get groovy. That's G-E-T-G-R-U-V-I.com. Use the code Kelly T and you'll get 15% off in the U.S. If you're in Canada, you can also find locations where they sell there as well. But this is such an amazing company and I'm so grateful to have them in my life. And y'all know that Organifi just gives me all the feels. So it is getting hot here in Denver. Oh, I'm so happy about it. And when it's hot, I like the red juice. The red juice gives me life. It is so hydrating and it tastes so good when it's hot outside. I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's the thing that you need. It's the superfood you need in your mouth with ice cold water when it's 90 degrees outside and you're sweating your vagina off. Um, The red juice has 11 superfoods. And for someone like me who refuses to juice, I'm so lazy. I just don't want to do it, you guys. It's just a lot of work. I'm not here for it. So I just rely on the red juice. It does all the work for me. It's already done. And it's great in the afternoon too. So when you have that craving for coffee or any kind of caffeine, this is a great Uh, supplement for you so you can beat the crash and it also helps increase blood flow. So I highly recommend if you're someone who is sweaty and working out a lot or just struggles with blood flow in general, red juice is a great thing to rely on. So you can go to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. Use the code Kelly T and you'll get 20% off. All right, back to Adam. Did you feel like self-sabotage came in during your awakening? Um, I wouldn't say self-sabotage, but I think like the biggest thing for me was being able to uh, be with the pain, be with whatever was coming up without clinging to it, without clinging to it as like this kind of like emotional addiction of like a nervous system dysregulation, like this addiction to feeling like shit, you know? And I would, I would catch myself like going down rabbit holes in my mind to fire off terrible feelings in my body. Like just thinking about arguments or fights or just not good stuff. And as I would like observe myself doing that, it was even difficult to stop, to stop going down that thought loop. Because for me, that state of like dysregulation, it was what I was living in. So it was so comfortable and familiar, even though it felt terrible. It was like this addiction to it because that was where my homeostasis, like where I was operating from the normal. So when I began to like realize like, oh, you know, I'm doing this myself it was a process of like catching myself going down these like thought loops, stopping them and pulling myself back out into the present moment to 
to just be and just allow whatever pain was coming up to just move through without perpetuating it. In the relationship you talked about, that was really difficult. I just want to know more about how this was manifesting in communication and the way you were relating. We use relationships as mirrors and so often the ones that we love the most are getting the wildest versions of us. So how were you showing up in that and how was it mirrored back to you to really show you what was available? Oh, (laughs) yeah, it's interesting because relationships to me have always been like this, the best opportunity for growth because of the really, really, really strong charge that they've carried, probably because of the added component of sexuality, you know, how much that amplifies the charge. But for me, um, I realized I kind of woke up in the middle of my last relationship uh, through kind of the pain that was presenting itself to me. And what I realized is that in my, in my first relationship ever, back in high school, I was uh, in a relationship with a girl for like two years, two and a half years. And it was one of these like relationships, your first one ever. So you think you're going to get married and go on and do all these things. And uh, she ended up cheating on me with my best friend, who was also my teammate. And at the time I didn't have the like skills to be able to like process that. And it hurt so much that it got to the point after like two days where I, I just repressed the entire event and pretended like it almost didn't happen. I just, I didn't know how. And so throughout my relationship since then, that has been an undercurrent of feeling that betrayal and never fully processing that. So in one of my last relationships, you know, there were signs early on in the relationship before we even started dating that were red flags. But to me, with the wounds that I were carrying, they're almost like green flags. You know, I was like literally being attracted to my wounds. And so I found myself unconsciously getting into this relationship. And in hindsight, you know, I can look back and connect all the dots. But at the time, I was literally getting into this relationship because of the wounds that I had back in high school. And so it was like this this pattern that I was repeating until I became aware of it and healed it. And so in my last relationship, you know, the same thing happened. And there was an act of betrayal that ended up closing the relationship. And that's why it was so painful for me because it was just like that plus my relationship in high school that I never fully was able to process. So again, it was this access point back to a much deeper wound that I was able to go in and really give some, some attention to so that I could get out of this pattern um, and kind of be able to discern red flags very early on so that I'm not putting myself constantly in that position. At what point 
did you realize that you needed to take responsibility for your side of bringing this in? It's not like you went and said, yeah, hey, please cheat on me. This would be a really fun experience. Let's do that. But the energetics of needing to learn this lesson and knowing that it was going to continue to show up and that you were going to choose this type of person until you learn that lesson. Yeah, I was, you know, very quickly, I was able to just sit down and be, and be like, oh, okay, I, I understand and I see as difficult as this is to take responsibility for. You know, I played my part in this. You know, I sought this out. I, I, I believe I created the whole thing for my spiritual evolution, whatever you want to call it. And as soon as I took responsibility, it was like the world opened up to me because now I could actually go in and like heal some things. Prior to that, it was just like blaming, you know, blaming the world, blaming whoever. And that was a lot easier to do, but. I understood that doing that would just keep me in that pattern. And, you know, the pain was so intense that the pain of staying in that pattern was more than the pain of changing it. So that was my like, Hey, you know, screw it. Like, this is it. This is what I'm in. Let me take responsibility for this and let me do what I had to do to get out of this. And to heal this, because this is not what I want for my life. And it's super tough. You know, it's super, super, super difficult to take responsibility for the pain that we find ourselves in. But as soon as we do, it's like, it's so empowering because the world opens up to us. It's like, okay, now I can like heal these things, you know? Yeah. Because you're coming from a place of I'm the victim. Woe is me. Everything happens to me, which is not a powerful place to be to I'm taking responsibility and no, I didn't do this thing to myself and I didn't consciously ask for it, but I created the container for this to happen and put that energy out. And when you take that responsibility, my experience is that you feel incredibly powerful and in the driver's seat of your own damn life, rather than letting someone else drive you around and dictate what's happening for you. It's like, no, now I am going to make a conscious choice and be aware of this and take responsibility and own it. Otherwise I'm just kind of passing by and like, just here for the experience. Yeah. And it's so amazing when you do that. It's like, as soon as I did that, it was like, I had this newfound love for my, for my ex. I was like, thank you. Like I literally, I love you more. Like, I care about you more, you know? And I, all I want is for you to go on and do amazing things in your life because of this gift that you gave me of pain for me to sit with and like get deeper back down into myself. So it's like, it goes from this extremely disempowering victim mentality of like blame projecting onto like taking responsibility, looking at whatever is in front of us and then being able to work with that, which then gives us capacity to love even deeper. And like the heartbreak that I went through, it was just like, I can't, you know, at times I was like, I literally didn't think that I was going to actually make it through. And through the heartbreak, it was like the heartbreak. And then all of these like small micro tears that through sitting with and like building the capacity to heal that it built such a bigger ability to be in a relationship and to a love myself more and b love other people more. 
you know, so the relationships that I find myself in now are so much deeper, more expansive, more fulfilling because of the, really the pain and the heartbreak that I went through and sat with and just looked at and like dealt with. So again, like looking back, connecting the dots and honestly being grateful for the pain, for the heartbreak and loving every person that was involved in it. I think to me, it feels like this, this weaving together of yourself growing up. I think we just kind of walk into this experience and we have no idea what's going on. And we're just kind of here for it. It's like, okay, figure out human stuff. But when you, when you experience heartbreak or grief or loss, especially it asks you to fall apart and then ask for this crumbling. And when you get to that point, you can make a conscious decision to weave yourself together in a new way. Mm -hmm. And when you weave yourself together consciously, the foundation is so much stronger. The knowing is so much stronger, the integrity, all of it that wasn't necessarily there before because we didn't have the access to it in the way that we do now. And so you have boundaries and awareness and all of these new tools in your toolbox that you didn't have before because you chose to put yourself back together after such excruciating pain. And I think that is where the true power comes from. Yeah, totally. And it was, I'm so grateful that in hindsight, I had the insight to just be like, you know what, like, this is, this is it. Like this ends here. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. So as soon as, you know, the relationship ended, it was just like, no, in the past I would have, uh, gone deep into trying to figure everything out, conceptualize everything and like, understand like everything about it and put it in neat little boxes in my mind as to why this happened read a whole bunch of books, listen to all the podcasts. But instead of doing that, it was just like, no reading, no nothing, no TV, no, no seeing anybody besides like my really close friends and literally sitting my ass down on the floor and just feeling whatever came up. And at times it was, it felt like it was going to completely consume me, but the place that I'm at now and I can see what that was bringing me. It was like, it was like alchemy. It was like alchemizing me into like a diamond that, you know, I'm still going through and I'll, you know, be on this path of understanding myself deeper for the rest of my life. But the understanding that I now have of myself makes it all worth it. You know, it makes all of it worth it. And even though at the time it felt like, I was in a dark cave that I was never going to escape from. And it feels like it's never going to end and the world's over. You know, looking back, it's like, oh, that, that wasn't a cave. That was a tunnel, you know, and like getting out and through the darkness and eventually getting to the place where you're at the other side of the tunnel and you emerge as this like alchemized being with a new awareness of yourself. And a new depth to yourself that you can really uh, use to enjoy life. Mm, I love that. I want to get your perspective on truth. So people say there's capital T truth and there's lowercase t truth. And 
the last year of my life has just been, I found a new truth every day. And so then I'm like, this is my truth. And then the next day I'm like, but this is my truth. <laughs> it's yeah. like this evolution you go on because the more, you know, the more, you know, right before I only know this much. And so I believe this thing. And then I, I have more context or I have another experience. And I'm like, wait a second. I think I'm going to change my mind. And I think in spirituality, we throw around this idea of like, what is your truth and speak your truth. I think truth is just constantly changing and evolving. The more you get to know yourself and the more experiences you have. So what's your relationship with truth? I personally believe, and I could be wrong, could be wrong about everything, but I personally believe that there's one truth and then there's many interpretations of the truth. Mm. And for me, it's been a practice of essentially clearing myself of all my little personal melodrama nonsense, clearing all of that, be able to discern the truth a lot faster. And with more accuracy, because prior to, you know, it's like we have all these filters that we view life through and the truth is on the other side of them. But as we view it through all of these different filters of all of the childhood trauma and the breakups and the, this and the ego stories and all this stuff, the truth gets scattered and our interpretation of the truth becomes so blurry. So being able to essentially clear myself so that I'm taking off all of these lenses so that I can be able to discern and see the truth a lot more clearly. And yeah, I, I think that you feel the truth if you can really clear yourself. Like in the past, I used to make all my decisions from my head and you know, that was that. <laughs> That, that was where I operated from in the past was from my head. And, you know, as of the past year, my practice has been to be able to get down into my body and to make decisions for my body. Cause I think, I, I believe that the body is already enlightened. Everything goes haywire as soon as we send it up into the mind. But being able to sit and get into our body to make decisions from our body, a lot of times will guide us to make decisions based on the truth versus sending it up into our head and then seeing it through the many lenses that are an interpretation of the truth. What does it feel like when you are making a decision from your body versus from your head? So for me, my decision-making comes from like my, my root, my sacral and essentially my stomach. So being able to feel something and feel like a really strong yes or a really strong no. And I'm, this is like part of my practice. So I'm still trying to figure all this stuff out. Same, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But being able to sit with something and get clear enough where I'm not sending it up into my mind and get clear enough in my meditation practice to be able to sit with it, ask a question, and then just feel in my body what a yes feels like and what a no feels like. And the simplest explanation that I can give is a yes feels like a very strong expansion. And a no feels like a very strong contraction. feels like someone's like squeezing my stomach and my guts in. And a yes feels like a very smooth expansion. And like, it's a, it's a practice to be able to make decisions from that place. Cause like I, I think the mind is such a, a powerful tool and like, it's a, 
I think the quote is, it's a, a beautiful slave, but a terrible master. Where like, if I need to make a decision, like solve a math problem, yeah, I'm going to send that up into my mind and crunch numbers. But almost every other decision I'm dropping into my body to essentially get connected with my intuition and let that make my decisions because that already knows, you know? As I was starting to wake up myself, I found myself not wanting to be here. And my, my belief around the human experience was always that it was too hard. And I started having suicidal thoughts at 12 because it was just like, everything is too hard. I don't want to be here. How can I get out? And when I started to wake up and, you know, see things and hear things and know myself differently, I started to just want to be in the ethereal and just be gone because that felt better to me. And I really struggled being a human. And so I had to really allow myself to merge both of these experiences and understand that I am a soul having a human experience and that I can be in the ethereal and, you know, talk to my guides and know my intuition and all these things, and also be in this body and have this playful, fun learning experience here on earth. How have you been able to merge these two? And it's not even two aspects. I don't want to separate themselves them from you, but these two parts of you and bring them together for this experience. Hey, uh, what comes to mind is kind of a practice that I was taught when I was really, really going through a lot of pain of being able to, in my seated meditation practice, being able to zoom out enough where I can essentially get out and observe myself, which allows me to somewhat uh, like observe what my body is experiencing without experiencing it myself, if that makes sense. And when I was really moving through it, um, I even went to uh, what I called the second observer, which is like zooming out to the first observer who's watching me going through immense amounts of pain. And then zooming out to the second observer who's watching the first observer who's watching me going through immense amounts of pain. And being able to do that gave me just enough room to be able to feel really, really strong emotions and really, really strong feelings without physically breaking, mm. without physically just absolutely crumbling. And so this practice of like zooming out enough to be out of body without disassociating all day gave me the uh, room to be able to feel very strong emotions so that I could process them effectively. And now, you know, through that, again, coming back to building capacity now stuff that used to throw me off is uh, much more easily like processed through my system. Uh, so that was like a really useful technique that I use. Um, and, and I get it. Like, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, like not really wanting to be here. Uh, I get it. Yeah. It can be really, really tough. Um, but again, in hindsight, everything makes sense, you know, and having, something that you believe in that is greater than yourself that whatever 
it is that we're experiencing in the moment is for a purpose, if we choose to use it for that, uh, I think can really, really, really give someone the motivation to like ride the wave through it. What has your experience been? Well, I think that for me, I just didn't have any awareness, body awareness. Like I just, I feel like I was a robot growing up and that's just how I operated. I just did what everyone told me to do. I tried to be the best, tried to be perfect. And that's like, it's just like that constant narrative in my head. That's all I saw and felt. And I, you know, I was different and I was really tall and I was really good at things and I was really smart. And so I didn't fit in and I didn't relate to people the same way. And so I just, I always knew that I wasn't the same and that I was different, but I took that as something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that my experience over the last couple of years has been an understanding that I am different, but that that doesn't equate to being bad. And that in getting to know myself and shedding all of these what feel like toxic lies and beliefs that were not mine and letting go of those, I more have come more fully to understand myself and be with myself and accept myself. And that's really where grace has shown up because I always beat myself up and was so hard on myself. Same thing. You're not good enough. What's wrong with you? Work harder, be better. And over the last year, really, it's been a conversation of grace and how can I release these expectations and standards that I didn't even set for myself and understand that I am whole and perfect as I am. And I think the more and more I've had that conversation, the more and more I've been comfortable with being here and understanding that I do have that connection to spirit and to the universe. And that's beautiful. And the reason I am here, and I believe that I chose to be here to learn these lessons and brought in all this stuff so that my soul could evolve and learn more. And so that when I come back the next time, I'm working on a different set of lessons. I think that is what has allowed me to merge my soul and human experience and to be more accepting. The grace piece is a huge one. It almost just took that pressure off. And I had this understanding of what was really happening on a higher level rather than what feels like a kind of low vibe, low frequency. Like I, I just decided one day I'm not playing here anymore. Like this is just doesn't work for me. It's just yucky and gross and doesn't resonate. So I'm going to play up here and I'm going to have a higher level understanding of what's actually happening. Um, and I don't always play up there. Of course I am a human and I have an ego, but knowing that I can go back to that and remember that I think has allowed me to integrate. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's a practice, you know, you start to develop it and then get thrown off and that's for me like being able to just be with whatever is coming up without labeling it as right or wrong like oh i don't want to feel this this way i don't want to feel sad today i don't want to feel angry today i don't want to feel irritated instead just allowing it to be and just literally just observing it like oh there's there's anger there's rage <laughs> there's irritation coming up and being able to almost experience it as part of being human, you know, and, and just like ride it out and not cling to it and not get addicted to feeling angry and not get addicted to feeling sad, 
just let it do its thing. It's like I have a a really big um, perfectionist voice in my head, and it comes up whenever I do it, really anything, but especially stuff that means a lot to me. So in the process of starting a podcast, it was like getting really loud. Of like, oh, you don't do that. Everyone has a podcast. That's stupid. Why would you start a podcast? Nothing you say has any value. Don't don't do that. And now being able to observe that. And what I've done is I've given him a name, and that's Henry. And Henry comes up whenever I go to do something. Fucking Henry. (laughs) Damn Henry. So Henry comes up, and because you know. By giving him a name, it creates enough separation. Be like, oh, that's not me. That's Henry. So Henry will be over there yelling at me. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's stupid. I could just say, thank you so much, Henry. I appreciate you. But I'm going to sit down and talk to Kelly now. You know, and by having that separation, you know, we, we don't identify with whatever Henry's telling us. And then we can go on and do what we want to do without these self-limiting beliefs or you know, voices and conditioning that we picked up throughout our life. I had that experience with my sexuality. I realized that I'm bisexual and my programming, same thing, this voice in my head that would tell me you're so gross, you're wrong. This is disgusting. Your parents are going to disown you. You're going to disappoint them. And when, when Connor and I first started having these conversations, it was so prevalent. It felt like this screaming in my ear. And I remember one day we were on the couch and I just started having to meltdown because the voice was so loud. I started pacing and I was pulling my hair. I wanted to rip my hair out of my head because it was so overwhelming. And I remember that over and over and over again, happening in different ways. And I'd be in the middle of an experience and it would come in and I wouldn't know what to do with it. And I look at now just about a year later and I have what you're talking about is where it's you, you see it differently through a different perspective and you're able to see what's happening. And so I just look at it. I'm like, Oh, right. Okay. That's that thing you do. And that's okay. Because we don't have to hold on to that. That's just not for us. And it's okay that it's happening. Cause this is just something that we've done for a long time. And I have such a different relationship with it, but I remember how scary it was because I thought, Oh my God, what is this voice? First of all, and I believed it. I believed everything it said and I took it on as my own and I made it my identity. I really had to sit with it every single day and journal about it and cry and let it just be until it was no longer, I I no longer felt like I was wrapped up in it where it was almost separate from my body and that it was okay that it did that thing, but I didn't have to buy in anymore. Yeah. I mean, I felt crazy at first. <laughs> I thought that I was going psycho. I was like, what, what are these voices in my head? Like, does everybody have these? Oh my God. Like I better not say anything. And then I started to realize that everyone has them, whether we like to admit it or not and developing a relationship with them so that we can understand that they're not us is really empowering. And as of recently, you know, my, Again, being able to look back and connect the dots in hindsight. And I'm looking back at some of the stuff that I've experienced and what it's brought me and what it's given me. And now 
this current time, there's nothing that brings me more fulfillment than being able to be with someone who's experiencing something and just be with them in it. You know, not try and fix them, not try and like, oh, let's let's snap our fingers and do a bunch of stuff and like slap you on the back and get you out of this. It's like being able to just be with them in whatever they're in and allow them to feel whatever they're feeling without trying to change them. And I understand that now, you know, I have a, a more of an ability to do that because I've been there and I've made it through. And a lot of times when you can see someone who's in it and be with them in it, not try and change them, they can feel, they can feel that. And they see that, oh, this, this person was here at one point and now they're not, they made it out. And a lot of times that can be extremely encouraging for that person. So for me, it's like all the stuff that I went through, it's like giving me this gift that I can just like sit with someone and just see them, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll go around the neighborhood and I'll see someone and it's really weird. It's like being able to see and feel exactly where they're at. It's like seeing someone as, as though they're in a different country and being like, oh, India. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been to India. Now let me sit and experience India with you. You know? And again, it's just like looking back, connecting the dots and all the experiences makes it worthwhile, you know? And promising and encouraging and like, I'm so grateful that I went through that stuff so that, you know, I can sit with my a family member who experiences a lot of anxiety, just be with them. I'm not trying to ch change them or this or that, just be with them. And for a lot of people, just being seen and what they're in is so beautiful, you know, because the world is just constantly trying to change us. Like anxiety is bad, depression is bad, you're doing it wrong. Da, 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 da. And being able to be with someone who's just like, you're doing great. You know, you're doing great because they're not scared of it. Such a gift. And I think that's what you and Connor bring in your shows and your podcasts and in your work as two people that have really gone there and have experienced it. So you can talk with other people, you know? And people can be seen in what they're in. They're trying to be changed. They're trying to be fixed. Thank so thank you. Thank you. You know, it reminds me of where we started this conversation, talking about the external validation and attention. And I, I feel that deeply as well. Being in sports as an athlete and then working in television. And what I feel from you and what you're saying right now is it's, when you really allow yourself to see yourself, you allow yourself to be seen in such different ways. And it, it no longer is about validation or attention. We want to be held and we want to actually be seen for who we are, not the mask that we put on and the version of ourselves that we show everyone, but to be truly held and seen and accepted in that. And that's what you're talking about. And it's so beautiful to hear you say that. Not that I really knew you that well before, right? This is the longest we've ever had a conversation. <laughs> um, but to just see that within you and to, for you to acknowledge within yourself, I went there so I could see myself to better see others and allow them to see me and feel me as well. And you're right. It is 
I think the ultimate gift. So I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. And and I mean, when I was in it, that that wasn't the case. No. (laughs) It's just like, I'm just trying to survive. But, you know, again, in hindsight, you can kind of connect the dots. But the best thing that I ever had was just like one of my good friends who is one of my teachers, really. And, you know, I, he was one of the very few people that I would communicate with as I was really moving through stuff. And he was able to just be with me in it. Just say, you're doing great. You're really doing a great job. Now just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And I was like, really? Are you like, are you sure? Because like, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm physically dying. I've lost 30 pounds. I don't know if I can do this. And you just say, no, no, you're doing great. But I could feel from him, it completely resonated because he had been there himself, mm-hmm. you know? And if he had told me, okay, we're going to shift this. We're going to go into happiness right away. We're going to do this and do that. We're going to have a ceremony and da, 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 da. No, it would have really taken me out of a lot of the growth that I extracted from that period in my life. So by him being able to say, you're doing great, just keep going, just keep going. Don't cling on to things. Don't get addicted to emotions, but just keep going. You're doing great. You know, that was the, one of the best things that I ever received from that time. So for me, like, that's kind of what my mission in life is to just be able to help people through whatever they're doing, whatever they're experiencing. And, you know, I'm, I'm also just trying to figure this thing out myself. I don't have any of the answers, but when I see someone that has been where I've been, I can't just walk by them. You know, I'll just sit and and talk to them and be with them and not try and fix them, but just be, because that's what my teacher and my good friend did to me. I'll be grateful forever for the rest of my life. So beautiful. Adam, thank you for coming on the show. I'm so, so happy that we got to do this. I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you would like even more exclusive content, conversations with me, the ability to connect with women in a really sacred space to continue to challenge yourself, to create space for yourself and come back home to your truth and your knowing. I would love, love, love to have you inside the Onyx, the incredible space that I created for women like you who want more and who are ready to lean in to all of it. You can go to patreon.com slash the Kelly show. The link is in the show notes and I cannot wait to see you in there and hold that space for your growth. See you soon.